Life Audio. The Bible Study Podcast, episode 833. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues a study of the book of Psalms with Psalm 93 and Psalm 94. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Before we tackle our Psalms, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Psalm 93 is very short. It's only five verses, which is why we're doing two this week. And it goes like this. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. Indeed, the world is established firm and secure. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house for endless days. I think sometimes when we're doing this study of the book of Psalms, it's hard to read it and see that this is a song because, of course, it's translated and we don't know how to sing it. And I so I can't sing it to you, so I'm just reading it. But at this one, I think even with the fact that it's gone into Hebrew and then been translated into English, has not lost this poetic sense. The, the Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. And so we're getting this picture of a mighty God. Again, like El Shaddai that we covered the last couple of weeks here, the God Almighty. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. He is robed in majesty and armed with strength. And so we're talking about God who is royal, that robed in majesty here, and therefore worthy of praise and armed with strength. This is a strong, almighty God we're talking about here who established the world firm and secure. Now, I know the world it doesn't always feel firm and secure. It does on some days more than others and for some people more than others. But it says, your throne was established long ago. Again, that royalty, that sense of the Lord of lords, the King of kings. You were from all eternities. And then we talk about the seas. The seas have lifted up, Lord. They've lifted up their voice. They've lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters. Mightier than the breakers of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. And I like this as somebody who is a big fan of standing at the sea on a day when there are breakers and a day when the land is being pounded with these mighty waves. I get the sense of 
the psalmist seeing the strength and seeing the mighty majesty and the thunder and the power of those seas. And of course, the Israelites did not tend to be a seafaring people. And so the seas were sometimes viewed much more with fear uh, than they would have been, for instance, had they been Phoenicians who were known for their seafaring nature. And the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes, Lord, stand firm. Holiness adorns your house. Your statutes, your law, the things that you have said are right and wrong, stay the same. Now, that can be hard for us to think of. I I know that on both the left and right politically within my country, within the U.S., there are people who are saying, well, you know, that used to be wrong, but it's not wrong anymore. Or Jesus said this, uh, Jesus said, love your neighbor, but, you know, that's for a different age. That doesn't apply to us now. And what this psalm is looking at is the the consistency of God, that God has been from long before, that will be out into eternity, and that God has not changed. We continue on to Psalm 94. Psalm 94, the Lord is a God who avenges. O God who avenges, shine forth, rise up, judge of the earth. Pay back to the proud what they deserve. How long, Lord, will the wicked, how long will the wicked be jubilant? I think we can quickly get a sense of where this psalm is going. The person who wrote this psalm has been wrong. The person who wrote this song is looking for a little vengeance, who is looking for a little justice. And we certainly know that justice delayed is justice denied, is the old saying, and they feel that's what they're feeling. They're feeling that it has been too long, right? When we say, oh Lord, how long? We're saying, oh Lord, it's been too long. How? Why have you put up with what so-and-so is doing or what those people are doing or what has been happening to me? How long will the wicked be jubilant? You don't want wicked people to be jubilant. You want wicked people to be afraid. You want wicked people to be found out. You want wicked people to be arrested. You want wicked people to be punished. They pour out arrogant words. All the evildoers are full of boasting. They crush your people, Lord. They oppress your inheritance. They slay the widow and the foreigner. They murder the fatherless. They say the Lord does not see. The God of Jacob takes no notice. So the wicked are arrogant. They're arrogant because they don't think judgment will happen. And no matter how you look at the world, I'm sure you can think of at least one person who you think is arrogant, who you think is boastful, who you think thinks they can get away with anything. And that's how the psalmist feels here. The psalmist is feeling like, I see them, they're jubilant, they're arrogant, they're full of boasting. They don't think that anything can touch them. But you, God... You avenge. And so do something about this. And then it talks about they crush your people and then they oppress your inheritance, the widow, the foreigner, and the fatherless. And those are, again, constantly the three that we bring up here in the Old Testament prophets and therefore in the Psalms, the widow, the foreigner, and the fatherless, the people who are without power. The widow, because it was predominantly a patriarchal society. The fatherless, because they've lost their protector, their parents, or at least their father. And then the foreigner, because the foreigner has no standing. The foreigner who is relying on to be relying on the welcome, relying on the hospitality of those who are here, and is not coming from a powerful position. 
They say the Lord does not see, the God of Jacob takes no notice. That's the way God's people, that's the way the widow, that's the way the foreigner, that's the way the fatherless feels, is not seen. There are people today in this world, and I think of those who are homeless, who feel unseen. They feel like people would rather not see them, would go out of their way to not see them or to pretend they don't see them. And I think some of us have to admit that we do sometimes look away. We sometimes try not to see those things that are uncomfortable to see. Take notice, you senseless ones among the people, you fools, when will you become wise? Does he who fashioned the ear not hear? Does he who formed the eye not see? Does he who disciplines nations not punish? Does he who teaches mankind lack knowledge? The Lord knows all human plans. He knows that they are futile. I love this section here. The section here that's talking about, don't you know that God made ears? Don't you know that God made eyes? Don't you know that God disciplines nations? Why is it you think he doesn't see or hear what you do? Why is it you think that nations will be punished but not you? Why is it that you think that God is stupid, that he who teaches mankind does he lack knowledge? Why is it you think God is stupid? God knows all plans and knows they are futile. And certainly they are futile if they go up against the will of God, is what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist knows that one of these days God will act, even if the psalmist feels that God is too slow. Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. You grant them relief from the days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked, for the Lord will not reject his people. He will never forsake his inheritance. Judgment will again be found on righteousness, and all the upright in heart will follow it. Okay, so the the psalm here in verse 12 takes that turn we see in so many songs. It takes that turn we see in so many psalms. It turns towards the positive. It says, I know that. I know that God is God. I know that God, that God from the previous psalm, who is always there, who has always been there. I know that God does see. I know that God does hear. I know that God does react. I know that God does act. And therefore, therefore, the psalmist sees the day will come when a pit is dug for the wicked, when the Lord will not reject his people and not forsake his inheritance. Sees that hope comes and judgment will again be founded on righteousness. Versus what? And I've been reading, for instance, from First uh, Samuel's my personal devotions right now, and just coming out of the book of Judges. And one of the things we see in either side of the prophet Samuel, Samuel's sons, and also the sons of Eli, who were the prophets and judges of Israel beforehand, is that they were corrupt judges. The judgment wasn't based on righteousness. Judgment wasn't based on what was good and right and lawful. Judgment was based on what you could pay, whoever could pay the most to the judge would get justice. And I use justice in quotes there. I don't know if you can see my air quotes, because that's not justice at all. It's not justice if it's only for me and my friends. It's not justice if you have a different set of rules than I have. It's not justice if I'm willing to pardon you, but not the other guy because I like you and not the other guy, but you've done the same thing. That's not justice. Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord has given me help, 
I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. Get the sense here that the psalmist was slipping, the psalmist was falling, the psalmist was at the end of his rope, and God saved him, God supported him, God caught him. Who will rise up against the wicked? The answer, God. Who will take a stand for me against the evildoers? The answer, God. Unless the Lord had given me help. Now we're in past tense. Unless the Lord had given me help. The Lord has given the psalmist help. I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. I was dying here. Your anxiety was great within me. Your consolation brought me joy. And so we've turned this around here from the psalmist who is saying, who will avenge? When will God do something to God has done something? Can a corrupt throne be allied with you? The implied answer, no. A throne that brings on misery by its decrees. The wicked band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. But the Lord has become my fortress and my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord, our God, will destroy them. And when we see so often in Psalm where we're talking about someone being destroyed by God, we're talking about God acting justly, that God finally coming in and stepping in, although the psalmists think it's too delayed, stepping in and setting things right, that those who have done right get right, that those who are done wrong get punishment. And so he says, can a corrupt throne be allied with you? The answer, no. A throne that brings misery on by its decrees. In other words, does that king, does that president, governor, mayor, whoever is in charge, are they bringing joy by their decrees or are they bringing on misery? Are they acting in the in their own interest or in the interest of those that they are? Are they serving or are they governing? I think is one way to say it. Are they public servants? The wicked band together against the righteous and condemn the innocent to death. Bad things are going on, God. Bad things are going on, the psalmist says. But the Lord has become my fortress, my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. But I am safe. I am safe because I am sheltered by God, and God will deal with them. He will repay them for their sins and destroy them for their wickedness. The Lord our God will destroy them. And so again, now we're looking forward. We're looking forward to, and God will act. And with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. 
If you're tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.